Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great to have you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. You can also follow me on my LinkedIn. Today, we have Bradley Williams together with me on the show. We're going to talk about a experience we just had recently. That was the first China International Import Expo, which happened in Shanghai from November 5th to 10th. We just came back from China not long ago. And welcome to the show, Bradley. Michelle, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time and talking to us. You know, we had a, a very busy time at the show, the China International Import Expo. In short, it's a CIIE. And uh, I know you were there from the beginning to the end. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the reason why you went there and um, you know what you are doing there? No, absolutely. Yes. So, so it was a phenomenal show or exhibit, I should say. I, I was calling it a trade show and everyone was reminding me that it was the international ex- import-export <laughs> exhibit. So, But no, it was great. We felt that it was really essential for us to have a presence just because of all of the, the talk amid amongst you know the trade war that has, or quote-unquote trade war that has, has gone on and it was started obviously earlier this year and has really kind of impacted our business directly. And so naturally, we wanted to make sure that we had a presence to interface with, interface directly with the buyers and even and some sellers and let them know that we are still open for business and, and eager to continue to break further into the Chinese market. We're excited for the agendas and the purchasing agendas that are that have been aligned for 2019 for the Chinese government. And, and we certainly want to be a part of that in as many capacities as possible. So I would say in regards to the trade show, uh, most people think when they come along to trade shows that, you know, you're going to set up a booth and you may get a few qualified buyers here and there and sellers for that matter. But then for the most part, you know, it's really just about, you know, having a few qualified conversations. And, and if you have one or two great leads from that trade show, so be it. We kind of took a different approach towards this trade show because we knew uh, with security being so high and with it not being a cheap expo to attend, the majority of the people that we interface with, especially in each specific hall, they, those were going to be potential decision makers. I would state that for those who are unaware of, of where the show was held, it was in a completely massive uh, building, probably one of the largest buildings I've ever been in. And yeah. so you know that just from the, the sake of walking sake and, and for you know just the time that it, that it would take to to navigate the entire building, that people would not just stumble in your agricultural, we were in the food hall, right, food and beverage hall, and uh, people would not just stumble in there by chance, like they were definitely in there with a purpose, with a purpose of at least uh, diving in whether they had uh, specific needs already or if they had specific questions to our industry. 
So we took that approach, we took that to heart. And in knowing that, as you stated, we were there from start to finish. And every morning we tried to stay from, from open to close because we had so many meaningful conversations, both on the buy and sell side for our industry. And I would say that, you know, we still have not been able to connect with everyone. I think what it's been two weeks now since the trade show. And we've started certain dialogues. We've sent out an enormous amount of quotes. We've started a couple of contracts as well from the trade show as well, uh, as far as closing business is concerned. So I would say just from a total standpoint of return on investment, this was one of the, the most phenomenal shows that we've ever attended. And we, um, and I think you already know, or maybe you and I discussed earlier, uh, we've already signed on to attend and display for next year as well. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, like two days after the show started, you guys decided, okay, let's sign a contract for the next year. We will be back next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Because for you, we were fortunate enough and, and you played a great part in, in getting us in the door for this year's round. And, and we knew with as, as great as, as well as, as this first show was received, we knew that it, if we didn't sign up quickly, spots would probably run out even faster for next year. So yeah, we definitely, we saw the importance of being in the building. And we, I'd say there there's some things that we certainly learned along the way uh, that we plan on improving for next year to even be received in an even better light. So yeah, we're uh-huh. excited. Yeah, we will discuss a little bit about that a little later. I want to emphasize one thing you just spot on, that this show you mentioned, the people come into it, they are the buyers. They are serious professional buyers versus just, you know, consumers coming to take a look. And that's the first year of this CIIE, the China International Import Expo. And it's the reason for this show being held, the trade show, being held in China, in Shanghai. China was trying to increase import to really get all these uh, the sellers from different countries coming to China to exhibit, to bring their products here. And then for the buyers inside China, they come and they choose the products and then they sign the contract. It sounds like you have seen that and you have a lot of interest just because you are there, you guys are promoting the products that you are selling. I'm that, glad that to is hear correct. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The no, other that, thing, that, that is correct. And the other thing you mentioned, which I have the same impress is uh, the impression is that uh, this is a, a huge, a massive <laughs> trade show. And it's a combination of many different products. It's not just a uh, food and agricultural. There are halls with uh, other products uh, such as the uh, high end intelligent uh, equipment. I quite spent some time, you know, went there to look at all these uh, massive, expensive machines. There's also some other yes. stuff like consumer products, right? Uh, accessories, all kinds of things, you know, high tech or the basic stuff like the agricultural stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Like you said, the consumer goods, I think there's a healthcare hall, there was an apparel, right? And, and the car, I think the, the car, it, it was almost like its own car show, the hall with the automobiles. All, and again, we can't speak to how large this show was because a lot of those exhibits, we never even got to, well, uh, Andy and I were and my partner were unable to actually to visit some of those halls just because, like you said, they were so big. And when you are exhibiting and you want to kind of be at your booth to get the traffic that's over there, and then you don't have time, it would take, what, I think 30 to 45 minutes to go to each each individual hall, and, and not to mention that they were each two levels as well. So it's not just the quickest place to navigate. So I certainly encourage anyone in 
planning on attending next year to bring some comfortable shoes, that's for sure. <laughs> I was wearing sneakers every day. <laughs> yeah, even my meetings. <laughs> you were smarter than I, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Very smart. I will yeah. be prepared next year. Uh, yeah, I wear shoes on the top, but <laughs> sneakers <laughs> on my feet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, very smart. <laughs> So, well, I'm curious about、uh, how did you start your business? Because you are doing those international trade business. I'm just trying to, you know, get a sense on, you know, how did you start it, and、uh, what's the path you have walked through so far? No, absolutely. So, and I probably should have said this sooner, but yeah, Bradley Williams here of the Environmental Exchange Group, EEG for short, but yes, the Environmental Exchange Group. And I'd say that I started my business probably the second semester of my freshman year of college. But I was very fortunate. So that was about 15 years ago, and I was very fortunate and naive enough at the time to start reaching out to. International suppliers very early, and so I did that from my dorm room. But I'd say the fortunate time and the opportune time that I took was the fact that I benefited from there being no LinkedIn at the time, right? So before businesses were completely integrated, and you could reach out to a CFO, a treasurer, or a CEO, or any other decision maker at international corporations, you pretty much had to use Yahoo. I mean, Google. At the time, wasn't even one of the better servers, at, but I'd say that they're superior now. But at the time, I was doing a lot on Yahoo, searching、uh, CEOs and purchasing managers and allocation holders on Yahoo to try and connect with those guys. And I would connect with them as a buyer for U.S. companies. And on the flip side, with U.S. companies, I would contact those decision makers and those buyers here on the U.S. side as a representative of. The, we started off in fuel at the time, so as a representative of the refineries and those allocation holders for fuel, and、um, we were fortunate enough.、Uh, but yes, but I guess halfway through my second semester in college, we were able to close our first deal, and that was how the Environmental Exchange Group、uh, was first launched. Yeah. So. Bradley, why fuel as the first product? I was thinking, as a freshman, you know, college student, you are selling candies or something like <laughs> small. You, <laughs> that that probably would have been much easier. Yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> so my roommate at the time was from Nigeria, and his father had had moderate success in the fuel business, brokering different deals, not to the U.S. But primarily to Europe, and we, and I, I guess just with me being born in the states and kind of being able to speak the language, my parents having a a strong corporate background, that I was just able to kind of bridge the the two relationships from there. He had had given us a few, he had pointed us in the right direction. I don't know if he ever thought that we'd find any success, maybe because we just kept bugging him about it. You know, we wanted to find success. I wanted that independence. I knew that I wanted to travel and work on things that were impactful and that had a global impact. And fuel at the time, at、uh, what 19 years of age, that seemed like one of the most impactful things that you could do. So that was how we first broke into the commodities business. So you and your roommate were the ones starting the business together. That is correct. Yes, yes. That we first joined in. He actually—it's funny enough—he went on to focus on medicine, and he's—he's he's now a, a rheumatologist now. But I, I think just the business world became—it it certainly dealt with、uh, our, our headaches from time to time. But we have, like, as I said, survived for 15 years. But、um, I think he just—he wanted to do things on on the medical side of things. But yeah, I mean, business was a seemingly calling of mine, and and、um, global business, I think, is just the way to bridge the world together. So. By the way, what was your major when you were in college? <laughs> so my major was international business, believe it or not, and 
And it, it's funny, um, I think, you know, real life experience sometimes gives you the best education over obviously the institutionalized. But yeah, that was the, the plan initially was to, to finish international business and then also pursue uh, a legal degree. So, uh -huh. but it's funny how certain things will divert your path and, and, and here we are today. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you found your passion early, right? You kind of started really early your career and building your company, building the business. Yeah, it's already 15 years. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm certainly fortunate for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's time to take a quick break and we will be back right away. China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Now we're back. So, Brady, before we left for the break, you talked about your how you started the business, starting from college. That was very such a fun story, uh, fascinating. So, I wonder, through all these years, you said 15 years of trading, right? What are some products that you feel that you have done pretty well and you are proud of your business? No, absolutely. So I'd say that um, things that we do really well would be we're heavy in the grains. We do a lot of sugar business. Uh, we pull those those products from both the western side of the U.S., but then also from South America as well, primarily Brazil. We do a lot of sugar, do a lot of soybeans. And then well, I say soybeans, but really that, that rolls into other products. So not just soybean seeds, but soybean meal, soybean oil. Do a lot of wheat flour, both on the non-GMO and GMO side. Uh, just depending on the preference of the buyers that we're currently dealing with. And, and yeah, we've learned to to just the business evolves just the way with the market moving both on pricing and then just within the swings of the, the farming climate, right, the agricultural climate and what's available sometimes. Obviously, we have to make certain substitutes based upon where the market is and, and product availability, but that's just um, – that's primarily been the cost of cost of doing business. Every now and then we'll get certain product, you know, certain requests in regards to you know dairy products and and various meat products as well. And and we do our best on the supply side to really connect with a strong supply network to make sure that our customers' needs are are met effectively and as efficiently as possible. Yeah. Wow, sounds a variety of agricultural products, uh, as well as uh, you mentioned uh, the dairy uh, meats. Mm -hmm. Then. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you recall the at the expo, the CIIE, the one the one that we just mentioned in Shanghai, uh, what are the products that you see that the Chinese buyers they really like, they wanted from you guys? Absolutely. So I'd say yeah. So we had the majority of our requests came in on the soybean seed side. Wheat flour was really big. Sugar is back on a rise. I think there were some things that we had to kind of go through certification wise for some of our suppliers down in South America last year and we foresee some of those some of those issues being worked out so sugar is heavy on the rise now 
And then I'd say chicken and pork products, having demand for those. And you know, it's a good problem to have. We actually sold out for the majority of the production that we anticipate uh, for our capacity going into 2019. And uh, we're currently in South America basically interviewing and, and vetting additional suppliers to make sure that we meet the demand uh, that are coming from our, our prospective buyers. So it's a good problem to have, but you also want to make sure that you that we knock it out of the park and and do a good job because we want to continue to earn their residual business. So it's very mm-hmm. important. Those return customers uh, have been kind of the backbone of of what's made EEG successful, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, we continue to keep our, our customers satisfied. Mm. Sounds that you got uh, quite some new customers through this expo. Is that correct? That's what. That's 100% correct. You know, as we touched on earlier, it's not just you know your everyday casual visitor walking by these booths. These are 100% qualified buyers, and oftentimes decision makers. And I would state that um, you know, obviously, I say decision makers in a sense to where you the questions that you're answering are very much going to be taken literally because they are are there to do business and to connect with new suppliers. And thankfully, we were prepared to have those conversations to be able to to answer the question and work out, I'd say, preliminary terms with a lot of those that were interested. So yeah, it was a really good show for us. And and like I said, we're excited. Still working through uh, some of the requests that we have now, but just obviously we're we're putting certain attention based upon demand, but we have a lot of inquiries, which is a, a great problem to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly it's a great problem to have. If you look at the numbers, just the estimate, how many like um, potential orders or quotations, right, you, or quotes you are sending out, and what kind of volume you are looking at? Is that something you can share? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say various volume, but um, we did two things, right? So we kind of anticipated that there'd be a, a great deal of interest. So what we did within our business cards and with our brochures, we set up a QR code that went to the site to basically get you set up to request for a quote. And then on our business cards, because WeChat is so popular within the Chinese market, on our business cards, by scanning that, you automatically were connected with our WeChat accounts, both Andy and I's as well. So from there, once we're connected, we're already getting started and we're already talking business, right? We've started the process typically in the commodities industry, we do things where we ask for several steps of engagement to get a, a transaction started. And I think just within the Chinese market in general, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you're dealing with a lot of uh, new buyers. And say, for example, a buyer for sugar this year may not have been a buyer for sugar last year, just based upon the way the, the quotas are given out to different prospects and different investors. So naturally, we wanted to simplify that process and not ask them for a letter of intent not ask them for just an ICPO, which is basically their purchase order and requires a lot of paperwork. Ultimately, they want to know, do you have the product that we're looking for and are we in the range in terms of price? So we wanted to make that simple as simple as possible. And by simplifying that process, I'd say that we have ongoing over 200 conversations right now that have we've already quoted and now we're currently trying to work out terms. And volumes would be hard to speak to in terms of those clients because I mean, it just really depends on the actual buyer. I'd say like when it came to soybeans, we have orders for 5,000 metric tons uh, per month. And then, but we've also met with buyers that were looking for 80 to 100 
thousand metric tons per month, right? So various quantities, various volumes, but nevertheless, in terms of actual quotes, uh, requests for quotes and, and getting certain orders out, yes, I, I'd say we're over 200 at this point, which is phenomenal. Wow. If you compare this expo, you this trade show, to any other trade shows you have been before, what do you see from the, as difference, right, from the results that has been generating? Yeah, absolutely. As we said, just off of from the sheer size of this right here, right, you're not, it's very rare that you're going to interface and interact with people who aren't interested in your industry, because quite frankly, it's just too big of a venue to just go to another hall per se that you're not interested in. You, you would want to spend more time looking at everything else. As we said before, I had, I mean, we were there for seven, six, six or seven days, and I still didn't view everything that was there. And I just, as a consumer, wanted to enjoy some of the technologies and the new products that were there in some of the other industries and was unable to do that just because of how large the, the show was. So I'd say as for a return on and is concerned, if you come prepared and ready to do business and you already have done your research on the Chinese climate, for that matter, and the way that and, and within your products and, and different things that are that they're interested in, I think that you can do really well because it's, you're going to interface with decision makers. And as you know, the security clearance was so high that you know, again, like you're just you're not going to deal with just random mm-hmm. people. You're going to deal with people that are qualified to to make decisions that are interested. And even if they aren't directly related to your business, you're likely going to make a, a worthwhile contact as well. That that you may be able to connect with on in other business ventures as well. So, so yeah, I definitely say uh, it far exceeds any other trade show and expo that I've that I've ever currently participated in, both as a as a visitor as as well as um, as an exhibitor. Well, sounds you have a, a very fruitful result so far, and we need to wait a little bit of time so you see the real the contracts being signed and <laughs> the real money coming. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, but I would say that we we are confident that several of these, like we've gone, I'd say that there's about a five to six step process to where you know when you come to terms and price, when you work out the actual operational side of things, and then you verify banking. So I'd say that there's uh, there are quite a few of these where we've already kind of gone to the banking side where you know that they have the funds to complete the sale. It's just a matter of us aligning product to allow them to pull the trigger. So definitely check back with us in a couple of weeks, and I'll, and I'll have a few. Um, I'll have a, I'll have a number for you in terms of, of what we feel will probably close before the end of the year for sure. Wow, that's exciting. I am also curious about、uh, how you communicate with the buyers because most of the buyers they are Chinese. And you don't speak Chinese, I assume. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. I'm working on it, but you know, I'd say seven years strong doing business in China. We have an office in Beijing、uh, on Wangfujing Street, which we are looking to potentially, and this trade show was a big part of this, potentially relocate to Shanghai just because of the industry that we're in and the qualified buyers and and all of those decision makers that are actually based there in Shanghai. But no, I do not speak Mandarin currently.、Um, my sons are, are much better than I am, but、uh, they're nine and ten, so they're currently not doing any contracts for us. But、um, I'd say I've been very fortunate to align myself with some strategic partners that both are fluent in the language, but then also based and and from、uh, different regions in China that have allowed us to be successful. I'd say that the main way that I kind of bring my own value is to make sure that we're strong on the supply side and that I interface with buyers and agents. That speak both English and Mandarin to connect the dots for us there. So, 
so yes, um, I, I do, and I cannot stress enough that just learning a few key phrases, and for those that are potentially considering going over next year, you have a year to, to get a few phrases down, just hello, you know, saying hello, ni hao, ni hao ma, you know, how are you, like that, that goes miles for at least starting the conversation to be able to hand a brochure and to get a, a conversation started, taking your advice and others, getting your literature printed in Mandarin, that's key as well, right? Just that way that you can really get your point across. One of the things that I had to learn very early on was, you know, I was very verbose in the wording that I would use and paint a pretty picture about my company. But ultimately, you know, that the culture uh, in China is very literal, right? It's what are you about? What do you bring into the table? What do you have to offer? And so I had to simplify that a little bit and be a little more direct in my approach so that we could achieve more success. And so, hmm. so yeah, that's, that's, um, so that, that's kind of how we've been able to navigate. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Those are great tips. Uh, looks like uh, you have materials prepared in Chinese, so people can at least uh, they can look at the materials. Then you speak uh, very simple English, <laughs> go to the point. And I assume uh, many people they can speak English if they are buyers doing trying to buy internationally. And they probably can speak English, but just not uh, the very fancy ones, right? Things on business. That's correct. Yeah, simple things. Don't use and and. and I- I would say that's probably been one of the issues too for me, right? In learning the language, it's like every time that I try to get adventurous and practice my Mandarin a little bit, they, everyone wants to practice their English on me. So, what is the? I'm trying to take some risks and, and learn, and they、uh, they beat me to it. So it's all in in good fun and, and for for the culture and for the business. So it's been good. Well, sounds you had a fun time there. <laughs> We certainly did. I slept well on the flight back.、Uh, as we, you know, while we were there, we're exhibiting from what 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then we would set up dinners, probably do a dinner or two each evening, or at least go for tea or coffee like that night with prospective buyers and strategic partners that we would connect with along the way there at the show. So we definitely tried to make、uh, the most of our time and, and capitalize off of every moment. Yes. Wow, hard work and fun. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So it's a long flight. You want to make it worth it, right? That's why you do that. Like it's, it's for anyone that's in the business of cold calling, which we sometimes have to do. You're dealing with warm leads, and so anytime that you have the understanding of knowing that you're dealing with a warm lead versus a cold one, you want to make sure that you you put your best foot forward. So. Yeah, exactly. My role in this show was to organize our American companies going there together. I would say Washington State companies going there together. So I have been very busy providing services to you guys, so that you guys can get there on time and you know find the right spot and you know, bring your products, bring your brochures, everything there, so you can make business. Absolutely no. It was a you guys did a phenomenal job. I'm sure you guys were probably equally as tired as we were, just managing all of us and rounding us up. So it was yeah, it was, exactly. It was, it was, it was done very well. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's take another quick break. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. 
please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Yeah, we are back now. So, Brady... Before we stop, last time we talked a little bit about the products and what you think the difference of this show versus others. And I think one thing we kind of touched in the very beginning that I am afraid that it may impact your business is the trade war that is going on between U.S. and China, and the tariff added to the products that you are working on, you are trading on. Can you address that uh, just to give us a flavor on what kind of impact you have seen through your engagement with the Chinese buyer in the expo and after that during your follow-ups? No. So, yes, yeah, so absolutely. So, definitely it's had a great impact on us, especially this year. A lot of work in 2017 because we prepare for the next year's contracts from really the third quarter on go until the next year starts. So, I'd say that we had a great of contracts aligned and product reserved and paid for almost beforehand for the sole purpose of really kind of knocking it out of the park this year in 2018. And I guess that was just with us not having any prior knowledge to what was to come within the trade war. We were doing a lot of soy. We had a lot of U.S. soybeans, a lot of U.S. fruits and vegetables, in addition to some coal products contracted to go out. And that has greatly affected us. Not to mention um, some things that we had kind of helped make referrals on in regards to the the lumber side of things and policy in regards to lumber, not directly tied to lumber itself, but the way that it has to be imported and treated. The cost has been raised to the point to where with that tariff, there's not a huge incentive for the Chinese economy to, to do business with us on those products right now. I'd say that they're at the time going into 2018 before the tariffs were imposed, we were competitively priced. But with that tariff being imposed, it kind of takes us out of, of being competitive. And there are certainly other options for many of these products, especially when it comes to the soybeans, the fruits and vegetables, and the coal even. Mm-hmm. So um, it w- certainly has not been ideal. I would just say that um, within the office, they kind of call me the pessimist, right? And I don't, I, I don't want to say that I'm ever pessimistic, but It's more so I always kind of prepare for the worst. And so preparing for the worst has allowed us the opportunity to have partners that are outside the U.S. that have helped us kind of substitute uh, certain products that we would have initially been pulling from the U.S. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, you are prepared way before, right? I, I remember you mentioned earlier that uh, besides U.S., you have products coming from Africa yeah. and uh, South America. That is correct. But, but, you know, I'd say that it still hurt us a bit, right? Because you want to get, um, we're pretty transparent in our processes. And so, you know, we had introduced our supplier to supply network and the contracts had been aligned already, you know, with the Chinese buyers that we had. And so to ultimately basically say, okay, hey, now we have to get you comfortable with this new supplier, that certainly takes some time, right? Banking terms had already been worked out. The procedure had already been worked out. Product had already been reserved. So it was it certainly our U.S. suppliers definitely took a hit. We took a hit just in legal fees 
and expenses that we had to do to kind of to, to kind of plug and play new suppliers. So I wouldn't say that we were completely prepared for it. I'd say that we were more fortunate than most, but um, but still, it certainly was not an ideal scenario. And we are hopeful that um, terms can be worked out to where we are able to interject our U.S. suppliers back into the mix and continue to stimulate the U.S. economy because it's just a better situation for everyone with us uh, working together. Mm-hmm. So what are the products that impacted the most in terms of the price? I know the tariff, you know, well, adding that, then the price goes up. So can you give us an example of the products that you are selling? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess when it comes to, to soy, right, that was affected about 20%. And, you know, if you have a one and a half to 2% margin on soybeans and it's affected by the price 20%, then naturally that, that kind of takes you out of the ball game a little bit, right? Like there's no real way that we can ultimately compete. And I'd say the same thing for, for the coal. Uh, the coal had a pretty high tariff as well and to the point to where it, was, it just became more beneficial for them to pull from resources both in Canada and um, in other, other parts of the globe. So wow. yeah, it certainly uh, is not an ideal scenario. And with the, the tariff being so high, it, it's almost like it, it just kind of, it, it takes a lot of our U.S. suppliers out of the running for even competing. They, it would put them in a position to where ultimately they, they have to make a decision where if, if they want to still do business with the Chinese climate, they have to make the decision to not be profitable. And, and I think that's, um, that's a tough decision to have to make. Well, looks like a, that's a lose-lose situation to both sides. Yes, yes, which is why, as I said, we're, we're optimistic for the future, and, and I think uh, it's going to be better for everyone to find a happy medium and, and hope they find a quick resolve uh, fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, talk something happier. <laughs> so what's your impression about <laughs> Shanghai, <laughs> this big city? So Yes, so, uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I'd say, and as you and I, as I shared with, when you and I first met, you know, our, our main experience, like we started off in Beijing, right? A lot of our contracts uh, came um, with the blessing of the state and, and different state-sponsored entities and, and government-sponsored entities there in China. And naturally, that's when you want to be in Beijing for that. That's the reason that you want to be because that's where that's the capital and that's those decisions are being made. So I'd say ultimately, Beijing is like the Washington, D.C. Uh, of China, but obviously on a much, much larger scale. And and just in being there, that's kind of how we started off. And, and we kind of gotten used to dealing with a little bit of the red tape and overcoming different policy hurdles. And it was, uh, I'd say it was good for us to kind of start out that way. And then the main ports that we are typically importing into would be Guangzhou and Shenzhen. So we have a, had a great familiarity with Guangzhou and Shenzhen, but um, as of late, for the last uh, year and a half, two years or so, we've been kind of focusing on breaking in and dealing with companies and decision makers that are there in Shanghai. So those companies there in Shanghai. So yeah, in terms of Shanghai, just that we knew that uh, that was climate that we wanted to kind of break into because it seemed as we would have different meetings to sign contracts, we found ourselves frequenting Shanghai. So I wanted to get more acclimated. And I'd say that was about a year and a half, two years ago now. Very, very pro-business Shanghai is in terms of just uh, the doors are certainly open for business. They're, they're eager to get deals done. And that's just kind of the climate of Shanghai that, that I've experienced thus far. I'd say come prepared uh, in Shanghai. Don't necessarily 
come in a hurry, uh, but but definitely come prepared to talk terms and be ready to speak about your deal from start to finish, whatever it is that you might be there to to present for per se. I state that you know in the Chinese, and this is my experience, but in the Chinese culture, we as Americans, you know, we'll come over and we're ready to go. It's like, hey, I've, I've got what you need. They got the products you asked for I'm at a competitive price, the best price, and it's not always about perfect terms and perfect price. The Chinese culture, you know, they're never in a hurry per se to to get a deal done until you guys have come together uh, relationship-wise. I, I think I'd say it's very relationship-based in a sense that not just about who you know, but but more so, um, but who who you who you seem to be. And and I'd say that uh, it, it's best to be transparent, to be honest, and and uh, to to truly connect and and be willing to build a, a, a relationship and and potentially gain a friend in that. Also, I'd say that I'm I'm fairly close with everyone that we're currently doing business with in China, and that's that's not by by mistake. That's certainly by design and the fact that we have worked in and built a relationship and, and been out and spent quite a bit of time together as, yeah, as so we've the, walked the business relationship, we've walked into a friendship as well. So Yeah, exactly. In China, it's not just a jump in and out, uh, you know, starting a business conversation. People want to know each other. They want to know who you are. And uh, as you mentioned, right, spending some time building the relationship, having tea or dinner, <laughs> that's very common. And people work quite hard. A lot of times uh, the dinner time, I guess over those days that you are having dinner, having tea, you know, into the pretty late in the night. That's not just a business. It's also a relationship building for the long term. Yeah. Oh, that, that's absolutely right. Yes, you said work hard, and we've worked uh, many, many business dinners have, have run late on the weekdays, and, and we've also worked on weekends as well. So I think be prepared to, if you're ready to do business, you need to be truly ready to do business 24 hours, uh, seven days a week. So Yeah, and the last tip I want to add is learn to use WeChat. This is super social media app that every Chinese are using. That's how people communicate with each other. Um, I would say people are using less emails these days. They communicate um, everything on WeChat, and it's so convenient. It's free international calls. <laughs> and, That's right. Yeah, That's right. And yes. transfer big, large files, uh, pictures, everything. That's absolutely right. And if you have a Chinese bank account, you can even pay your cab and buy your coffee with WeChat, WeChat Pay. So, yeah, it's... Um... It's definitely a, an essential app if you're, if you're in China, for sure. Yep. Well, that's fantastic, uh, Brady. I want to thank you for your sharing today with us about your experience in Shanghai during that uh, huge uh, expo, which called uh, China International Import Expo. And, um, and how do people find out more about you and your company? No, absolutely. So, so yes, we uh, they can certainly look us up on on the web, and uh, that's they can Google the Environmental Exchange Group, or um, our website is goeeg.com. That's goeeg.com. And uh, for those who are already on WeChat, yeah, they can search me at eeg Brad, and that's just eeg Environmental Exchange Group Brad. So yeah, we're certainly here for any questions. Here to help anyone that's looking to. To break into the Chinese market and it has any questions, uh, feel free to use us as a resource. We're, we're here to help. That's great. I also want to thank our audience to be here with us. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and uh, I look forward to talking to our audience again in the future.
Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 